0: Welcome to the podcast. It's been a while. All right. It's been busy. It's training camp. You get it. We have a lot of shows up here, the podcast land of Texans All Access radio programs. And you know, from time to time I'd like to focus in on one individual, and there's no better individual to focus in on, as the season is upon us than former Texan Andre Johnson. Andre Johnson, the only member of the Texans Ring of Honor, and when the season gets here, I always think about him because He was just so good day in, day out, so consistent. I know he missed a few games here and there, but the guy was a monster for this football team. So I thought I'd take a few conversations here and put them together for you because he was, and some of you remember this, the old E.F. Hutton commercials. I'm dating myself now. I was a kid, okay? It's kind of before my time too, but when E.F. Hutton talks, everybody listens. They had this great campaign where if you're in a restaurant and somebody mentioned the name E.F. Hutton, everybody would shut up and put an ear out toward whoever said it. And it was a brilliant commercial campaign because people still reference it. Bill O'Brien did, I think, a year or two ago. Anyway, Andre Johnson's one of those guys. When he speaks, everybody shuts up. They want to hear what he has to say because he's not loud. He's not boisterous. But when he says stuff, it's good stuff. So I've got a couple of different conversations with Andre for you today. The first took place at the Greenbrier where I visited with him, and we talked about his approach toward training camp and the season, and it's really interesting stuff. How he took care of himself physically, how he evolved in that department. And then the next phase will be John Harris and I speaking with Andre Johnson in the Hyundai Texans radio studio, and we visited with him about his greatest memories, the plays that he remembers the most, that kind of thing. And Frank Gore, by the way, comes up twice, the former Colt and 49er, and currently in the mix with the Miami Dolphins, I think and Frank Gore being the last remaining Hurricane to play in the NFL from Andre Johnson's era, from that 2000, 2001, 2002 era. So this is really good stuff. And as you know, I was there with Andre back in the day. I wasn't with him 2002 because I was here when the franchise began, but uh, I called a ton of his games, not with the Titans, not with the Colts, only when they faced the Texans, and not in 2002. But every other game in his career, I called. So I had the uh, pleasure of being around him and seeing his professionalism and playmaking ability at the highest level. And it was a pleasure for me to be able to describe that stuff. So let's get to it right now as we visited with Andre Johnson at the Greenbrier talking about training camp, among many other things, here on the podcast. How did you approach training camp, especially after you really established yourself? You're honing your skills, but it's got to be such a grind. So how do you approach that?
1: Uh, I was more of a, you know, I always felt like I had to be at a certain
0: point, um,
1: you know, once the season started. You know, I always just felt like I had to be at a certain point. So I came in training camp, and I approached every day, like, you know, game situation. Um, just making sure I was doing everything I needed to do to have my body right, be in shape. Um, you know, I would even have days I would, you know, Larry Kersey was the receiver coach, Now I would have days where I would be like, hey, uh, I'm going to just take as many plays as I can in a row, you mm-hmm. know. So some of the guys, some of the guys might not have gotten some reps. <laughs> <laughs> so I was, I was just doing things like that to uh, make sure I was, you know, where I wanted to be uh, when the season started.
0: What about leading up to training camp because you'd have OTAs, minicamp, and then that long break. Yeah. But that long break is not really a break. Right. Yeah, uh, I used to uh, go back to Miami and, you know, all the guys
1: we got together that were in the league at the time, um, we all used to go back and drain together, you know, mm-hmm. back at Miami, so uh, it was cool. it was fun because you know when you when you have a group like that, you know it's very competitive. Um, a lot of guys that were top players in the NFL, so it was fun.
0: Does it blow your mind that Frank Gore is still in the league? Yeah, uh, you know the, the crazy
1: thing about it is that even though he's in his what 14th year, I think it is, he still uh he runs the ball like he's you know in his seventh or eighth year you know he doesn't have the long you know breakaway speed anymore but he can still get you those three yards you know every time he touch the ball and I think
0: that's what's uh made his career uh go so long is it a big source of pride for you guys who played in that era of hurricane football that you still have one of yours still in the national football league <laughs> definitely definitely um it's
1: it's it's exciting to see you know uh, especially Frank um, you know me him being a good friend of mine just to see the things he's accomplished um, you know we played against each other in high school um, our moms went to high school together so wow uh, you know just seeing the things he's accomplished I think he's fourth all time right now in rushing yards I mean that's that's an amazing thing
0: man yep. so um, he'll definitely be a guy that get that yellow jacket one day i was talking to chantrell henderson and he said it's amazing how you guys who played before he did this era of hurricanes you have lamar miller here you also have Stephen morris he said you guys always are very helpful of them even though they didn't have the success that you did there's such a brotherhood still yeah uh i
1: think especially with coach rick being there um there there's been there's so many guys that come back you know uh they have the paradise camp every year you know i've missed it the past couple years but uh you know so many guys that come back you know former players you know ray lewis michael irvin i mean you have guys from even you know back then that come out you know um sometimes you'll see bernie uh kozar testaverde there Mm -hmm. you know just you know sitting at practice and stuff like that so um it's it's fun you know just to you know be back around the guys and, and catch up. What do you think of having camp here at a place like the Greenbrier? Uh it's it's different. <laughs> it's definitely <laughs> different, but uh you know I I can see why they come here, you know, it you know helps helps the guys keep the body bodies fresher. you mm-hmm. know, with with being in all that heat in Houston. Um uh, and it's a you know as out here in the middle of nowhere, so you know guys can uh build
0: some team camaraderie and um just stay focused on the task at hand. When um, you see Deshaun Watson out here operate the offense, what are your thoughts on his second year in the league and what to expect from him? Um, I expect
1: you know him to be great, you know, just like he's always been. Um, you know, he you can tell he works hard at what he does. Um, you know, he wants to be great. You know, I think he's a great leader. Um, you know, and you know, just
0: seeing him at work, you know, he's he's always working on his game and just trying to get better. What about DeAndre Hopkins, Andre, because, you know, he's no longer a young man, but he still right. plays like a young man, and he's having a terrific career. And yep. I know you had something to do with that early on in his career. Yeah, he is.
1: Um, you know, he was just over there working a the drill, and he looked over at me. He was like, did I – Did I? like, that was right. Like, should I have done it that way? And, you know, I'm like, yeah, you good, you know. Um, but I, I get it. You know, he, he's uh, – We you know, it was the same way when we were playing together. You yeah. know, it was – you know, we were, we were always um, talking the game and, and telling each other things. And, you know, I used to always tell him, like, you know, just because I'm older than you, don't, you know, don't feel uh, afraid, you know, to let me know when I do something wrong. So I think that's what, you know, helped our relationship so much because we were able to be, you
0: know, real with each other and, um, you know, critique each other's game. It's funny to me because with wide receivers, I always say this, that you guys are like artists. You know, you can have several great ones, but you're all kind of different. You're different than DeAndre Hopkins, right. but you're both obviously highly productive. So right. what about that aspect of things?
1: Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you have different varieties of wide receivers. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you have your loud ones, your flashy ones. Uh, you know, I was just – you know, I, I, I think the thing is, you know, when you want to be great, you know, you can – you know, put whatever it is to the side and take constructive criticism mm-hmm. and be, be an open book to want to be better. And, and no matter how good your career is going, you're willing to be coached. You know, I think that's the, the biggest thing, and I think that's um, something that DeAndre has, and I think that's something all the great receivers had. Like, no matter what or what year they were
0: in, they were willing to be coached. I think that's a great point about all terrific professional athletes, no matter what. I always look at professional golfers. They still have a swing coach, right. you know, and they might have won, you know, Tiger Woods as a swing coach. Right. Yeah, it's, uh, I think it's just something when you,
1: you know, when when you're going, you're doing something and you want to be great at, great at it, you're going to, you know, maximize everything to continue mm-hmm. to be great. So um, I think that's the biggest thing, just wanting, wanting to continue to be coached.
0: What about you as a coach? Do you ever get that itch?
1: Nah, um, (laughs) uh, it's too many hours for me, Uh, you know, just coaches put in a lot, a lot of work, you know, uh, I think a lot of people don't uh, realize that, you know, it's a lot of hours that go into it, Um, you know, it's sacrificed, you know, Mm -hmm. you know, you have to be away from your family a lot and and things like that, so, um, but I... I enjoy being out here helping, like, you know, doing stuff like that. But as far as me, it being a full-time job for me now.
0: Now, what about physically now? How hard – because you still look like you're in tremendous shape. So do you still work out the same way, or how has that changed for you over the years? I think, uh, you know, I I was uh, just
1: talking – me and Coach O'Brien was talking, and he was asking me the same thing. He was like, man, you look good. Like, are you still working out? (laughs) I'm like, yeah. So, um but i told him like the thing i've changed is that and i wish that i probably could have did it later in my career is i would the thing i probably would change was lifting all the heavy weights mm-hmm. um you know that that's something i don't i don't do anymore right. like i do a lot more cardio and you know i still lift but i'm i'm not lifting
0: nothing heavy you know I'm, but you still look big so you're kind of yeah, naturally big anyway yeah right? so i'm
1: you know, I'm, i tr- I do more reps rather than uh, you know lifting the heavy weight. So,
0: but what about a guy like Will Fuller, who you know he came in here like 165 yeah. or whatever it was, and he needs to kind of bulk up to take the punishment.
1: Yeah, so he's uh he's uh I I from what I've heard, they you know he's changed his diet and things like that. Right. So um you know he's probably you, you know you have to think about it too. He's, he's a young kid, you know. Mm-hmm as a kid we don't really care about what we're eating right you know right. we're just eating whatever and you know having fun and i think the thing with him i think he came to the realization like being in the nfl you're really gonna have to take care of your body and mm-hmm. you know you playing with a bunch of grown men there's not a lot of 160 pound wide receivers you right. know so um you know just looking at him you can see he's um he, he, he looks very confident now you know mm-hmm. in his game and um you know He's he's been doing a great job here in counts
0: How are the Canes gonna do this
1: year? Uh hope they hope they do great. Uh you know, we've got a big game open up with L S U. So uh you know, definitely looking forward to that.
0: All right, that's part one of our conversation here, our podcast with Andre Johnson. Now I've got another part. Because earlier than that, this is about a year or so ago, John Harris and I visited with Andre. This is kind of evergreen stuff because we're talking about his memories of his best plays and the best moments in the history of the franchise. And we begin with Andre talking about what is the prevailing memory? What game does he remember more than any other or a moment more than any other? And this stood out because this was rather important. Let's hear it. I, I
1: always think that first playoff win. Yeah. Um, I've never, I've never seen a place, uh, you know, so excited. So, uh, it was just it was just so live, like it was it was crazy that the, the, just the atmosphere of the game. It was so crazy, and um, I think if you weren't there, you could never understand. Yeah. Like it was a, the atmosphere was a, amazing.
0: What about being on the field though? Earlier that season, when you guys clinched the division, when you had the late drive with Yates and Walter yeah. with the catch, and everybody in the locker room later learns that you clinched yeah. the division. You know what's so
1: crazy? I was hurt that year. Right. That's the year I uh, I tore my hamstring tendon or whatever, so I missed seven games that year.
0: Yeah, you were on again, off yeah. again. I, yeah.
1: Yeah. So I tried to play the, I think it was Atlanta. I ended up tweaking my hamstring again when I yep. came back, and um, it. Was, I mean, it was crazy. Like just, I remember hugging Coach Kubiak. He was like one of the first people I was looking for, mm-hmm. you know. After we uh, Kevin caught the touchdown and to win the game and. You know, we still, you know, when the game's are not over yet, you're you still kind of like, you know, anything can happen. Right, but extra one, point. Yeah. <laughs> so once the game was over, like, he was one of the first people I was looking for, and we just hugged each other because it meant so much to him, you know, yeah. to get uh, this organization to the playoffs and get his first playoff win. And he just hugged me, and he was like, we're going to the playoffs dude. And I was just like, I'll be ready. <laughs> when you think back,
2: yeah. Andre, to 2003, the draft. Right. First question, where's the Orlando Magic jersey? Do you still have it? And was it a McGrady jersey?
1: Yeah, it was Tracy McGrady.
2: Was that your guy?
1: Yeah, Tracy's still my
2: guy. When you think about coming to Houston right. and you're coming to the expansion team, and Detroit had the pick right before, and they're thinking about a receiver, and it was Charlie Rogers, but you're thinking about coming to an expansion team. What's going through your mind at that? You've got to be so excited about being drafted, but then you're coming to Houston where it's an expansion ball club. What were you thinking on draft day?
1: Um, I was just happy to get drafted. I didn't. Um, I didn't really think about everything until after I was drafted. You know, I was, I was telling them upstairs like that's when they had the David Carr with yep. no offensive line. Yeah, yeah, you of course. Know, yep. Big like promo. Yeah, yeah. So mm-hmm. it was just kind of like, man, like, what am I walking into? <laughs> you know. But once I got here, um, you know, I, and and I, and I saw everything. I saw the team. I was I was excited because I was like. You know, I'm coming into a situation where nobody really knows the team, you know nobody you know we're underdogs right you know nobody's gonna give us any credit, nobody's gonna give us anything so any everything we had we got we had to earn it, and um you know that was just that's just the way I approached it like I'm gonna do whatever I have to do to put this organization on the map,
2: so you didn't make it that much more difficult because you came from a place like Miami. Where you guys lost seemingly once every three years, did right. it make it that much more difficult because you guys won so often there? You know, it was tough in a
1: in the beginning. My um, first year, yeah, my rookie year, it was tough. Like the first first few games, and um, my receiver coach Kirby Brown, he had to sit me down one time because I kind of um, lost it on the sideline one time, and he was just like, "Hey, look, you know, control what you can control." and um Never had nobody really break it down to me like that, and once he told me that, you know, I just that's just the way I approached it.
0: You beat Miami in your first ever game at Miami. Yeah, when that really meant something, winning there in September—that yeah. must have been they, incredible. I, I
1: remember him saying that was going to be a scrimmage game for the Dolphins. Yeah. And everybody had the Dolphins picked to win the Super Bowl that year, and we went down there and beat them. So uh, that was fun because I, my fan, I had a huge section. Yeah, in the stadium. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I had like 200 tickets. So uh,
1: it was it was fun. That was a fun
0: year. You had a real solid rookie year, but your next year you go to the Pro Bowl. Yeah. Awesome year. So what was the big difference? Because everybody who comes into this league has to get better, and you you knew that. So what'd you do? What was it like between years one and two? Because a lot of the young guys need to hear this.
1: I'm not gonna lie. Like after I played my rookie year, it was like a week after the season. I was like, I'm ready to go back because mm. I felt like I had experienced it. Like. I felt like it was nothing that I was going to see that I hadn't seen. Okay. You know, um, it was it was just I feel like I was just like man, like um, I belong in this league. Like I, you know, I can go out and, and do the things that the other top receivers do, and I can, you know, eventually become a top receiver in this league. So um, I was ready to come back like a week after the season, all ready to go, all ready to go. Mark right.
2: talks about this a lot. In between your rookie year and your second year, about you living with the jugs gun. Yeah. Just shooting footballs, just catching the football over and over and over. And we talked yeah. about that with Will Fuller, right. talking about from rookie year to second year, just living on a jugs gun. That's something that he thought that Mark talks about a lot with you. Mm. What was that in between time? Was that the one thing you focused on? Was just, I'm going to catch 200 balls a day? What was your thought process from rookie year to second year, making that leap?
1: Well, it really wasn't a number you know, as far as catches, yeah. you know, a day. Um, it's just when I was, when I would, whenever I would, uh, you know, they would do special teams or whenever I went out before practice and after practice, I just made sure I was on the jugs. Like whenever I had spare time, I would just get on the jugs and I would just always just catch the ball. That was just like my biggest thing. So, because um, I know I had dropped some balls, you know, crucial balls, my rookie year, and um. I just felt like it was something that I. if it was one thing that I really needed to work on, it was that. So that's what I did.
0: All right, I know that you've been asked a lot about memories and everything. I have to ask you about some specific plays, though. All right, against, we mentioned Miami, but in 08, the catch you had over Jeremiah Bell. When you're making a catch like that, I mean, is it just so in the moment you have to almost look at it later to realize how outstanding that was, particularly (laughs) on 4th and 10?
1: Yeah, um, you don't realize it when the game is going on because you're so worried about trying to win you know um you're just trying to make every play you can because it's a i mean it's fourth down that play doesn't get made the game's over right so um you're just trying to make every play you can to put your team in a situation to win the game so i'm not after i catch that ball i'm not sitting there saying andre that was a hell of a catch <laughs> like, i'm not doing that if Next you, play. <laughs> yeah, if you if you if you actually look at the film, I'm waving to the team like, yep. hurry up and get down here yep. so we can you know get back on the ball. So, because um, it was a two minute drive, I think. So, right. Um, you know, you don't you don't be thinking about that. You're just thinking about what you need to do to win.
0: All right, better catch that fourth and ten or the Redskins fourth and ten with the game on the line as well. I mean, they're both really good and
2: they're both a little bit different. Or maybe not better, but which which one? Which one, if you had to rank those two, which one do you remember more?
0: <laughs> and let's give you the background. We did a bracket. you know, It was a March Madness yeah. bracket of, of the all-time Texans plays. Yeah. The fourth to ten against the Redskins is the top play in the history of the franchise as voted on by the fans. Every right. play. The You're championship was play. you against the Watt pick six in the Bengals playoff game, which I know was a playoff game, but uh, we are going individual plays. I beat JJ? You beat JJ. <laughs> you can tell really. him that. Although, don't tell him I said that. Please.
2: What um, do you remember from that Redskins play? Because I wrote about that and how I wrote how they were trying to cover you and what you did. What do you remember about that play?
1: When the play was called, to be honest, I was like, I wasn't even sure if Matt was going to throw me the ball. I heard the play. We had ran the play like four or five times during that game where I converted long third downs. So, um, But the that time when we called, we just put a double move on it. Right. So um, instead of me just breaking completely across the field, I broke in and then took it up to the end zone. And um, I was running and I'm looking and I'm like, he's not going to throw it. So if you notice during the play, I started backpedaling. And I started backpedaling because I didn't think he was going to throw the ball. Mm. And when I saw it coming, I was like, I was like, I'm, I'm, I'm boxing him out. Like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm going basketball. Yeah. So rebound. Um, yeah. When I, when I saw it in the air, I was like, he, he
0: has no chance. <laughs> like I'm, I'm going up to get this. So, couple more for you, DeAndre Hopkins. Your thoughts on him and his start in his career? It's great. It's great. I think he's going to be great because
1: um, he wants to be. Um, he talks. We talk a lot, you know. And uh, I think his rookie year, he didn't really get it, you know, at first because he came from such a spread offense. Mm-hmm. you know in college so when we would be in meetings um <laughs> i used to laugh at him so much because he would always tell you'd <laughs> be like man why you just can't throw the ball up you know <laughs> like everything he wanted because he he has great ball skills right so everything was like man just throw the ball up like we ain't, we ain't got to do all that just throw the ball up and i'm like look look <laughs> like it doesn't work like this you right. know so um you know once i told him that and you know, I just explain certain things to him, show him different ways to use his body because he he had, you know, like I said, when I first saw him, I was like, man, like this kid has, like, a great set of hands on him. like. Yep. And But you can see, like, little things like he didn't understand, like, how to use his body in certain ways and stuff like that. So I would just explain it to him, like, hey, if you get in this position, just do this or mm-hmm. just do that. And the next year he came back, and he was just like, you can just see it. And then a the year after that, I was, like, was like, wow. like He's taking off. Amazing. All right,
0: University of Miami, I have to ask you this, because the numbers are dwindling now of guys still. Are we down to Frank Gore now? Is, is he the last man <laughs> Frank's standing? the only
2: one. And would you expect, I said this to Mark, would you expect that after the ACL tears, <laughs> that Frank is still the only one out of that group? Yeah, what are your thoughts you know, on that? so
1: funny. I talked to Frank about four days ago, and – he was just telling me, he was like, man, Dre, you know, it's getting hard to work out. I'm like, Frank, I, I know. <laughs> I'm familiar with that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, when you get up in, to the uh, AGs at, and, you know, you play that much football, it becomes harder to get up out of bed and work out during the offseason. So mm-hmm. he's like, man, it's just, it's tough, man. I'm like, but Frank, you don't look like you're slowing down. Right. You know, you're still playing at a high level. So um, it was just good to talk to him and catch up with him. Uh, but it's, it's just funny to uh, – it was funny to hear that. But I don't think – Nah, I would have never thought he, be the, he would be the last one. The last one. No. Nah. It's lasted a long time. But you know what, I'm guys. not surprised, though. I'm not surprised because he – I mean, if you if you was able to be around the guy and watch how he works, yeah. you know, he –
0: I mean, it's not a surprise. You mentioned this, the camaraderie, seeing the guys. Yeah, that's that the thing
1: you miss. Like, just being around the guys, you – that – that's different like you know you know we have our dinner nights bowling nights stuff like that that's that's the thing that I would miss the most but as far as playing the game you know there's a it everything comes to an end so I'm 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 okay with that but just being around the guys that's the different part you're gonna come to a lot of games though. yeah yeah definitely um you know I'm a fan I'm a fan yeah. of the game so that's all I did was watch football right yeah so I'll be around.
0: All right. Thanks a lot, Andre. We appreciate it. Right. And that's going to be it for our podcast, Memories with Andre Johnson. I thought with the season fast approaching, I mean, here we are. Let's talk to the greatest Texan and find out what he has to say. Now, we have many other candidates to take the ring alongside him, beyond the ring of honor alongside him, and we'll see how these guys do. But uh, we're all very excited, but I thought it would be good to look back here. As we get into the 2018 season, this is Vandermeer's View. Check out all the other podcasts, Texans All Access Radio Program. We podcast that, the deep slant in the lab, all of it. Have a great day and go Texans.